give yourself permission to just hear what God has to say through Scripture. Take a moment to know that the favor of the Lord is upon each of us. So no matter what your situation, no matter what you're going through, I just ask that you would let God speak to you this day. I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And throughout the preaching word today, you'll also hear some themes picked up from John chapter 3. The whole passage is actually 1 through 21, but you'll just hear various tidbits, but I will read Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, from the message translation. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the master sitting on a throne, high, exalted, and the train of his robes filled the temple. Angel seraphims hovered above him, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings they flew. And they called back and forth to one another, Holy, holy, holy. Holy is God of the angels' armies, his bright glory fills the whole earth. The foundations trembled at the sound of the angels' voices, and then the whole house filled with smoke. I said, doom, it's doomsday. It's, I'm as good as dead. Every word I ever, I've ever spoken is tainted, blasphemous even. And the people I live with talk the same way, using words that corrupt and desecrate. I have looked God in the face, the King, God of the angels' armies. Then one of the angels' seraphims flew to me. He held a live coal that, had, that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with the cold and said, Look, this cold has touched your lips. Gone your guilt. Your sin is wiped away. And then I said, and then I heard the voice of the master say, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I spoke up. I'll go, send me. This is the word of the Lord thy God. Let it touch our hearts. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you that you are almighty. On this Trinity Sunday, we lift up God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Father God, I ask that you would rain down your anointing Allow it to continue to flow in this place. For the word that you have in me, let it come forth. Please move me behind the cross. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you. In the midst of it all, Lord. 
let the hot cold touch each of our lips. Make us and renew us through this your world. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you the beginning of a series that I will be preaching for the next three weeks. And it's simply called N2K. If I were texting, that would simply be what it is. Need to know. Maybe you've never seen the text message because that's not your language of choice. And you will say, well, why the initials? Why the short names? Reality of it all. We're in a world of abbreviations. We're in a world of change. We're in a world of transformation. But yet still, we lift up the power of a true and living God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is a triune God. All around the world, people are highlighting this day and saying, what is it to know who God is? After Pentecost comes a time of recognizing why is it that Christians want to know who God is. Not just who God is, but how God is operating in me. So what is the difference between God the Father? What is the difference between God the Son? How does the Holy Spirit really work? Whatever stage we are in our Christian journey, we have questions. And we're at a point in our life whether we're young or old, there's an N2K experience we're looking for. We need to know something from God to help us walk through this next season of our life. We have something we need to know from God that really will penetrate our souls. The subtitle today is simply say yes. Turn to your neighbor and just say yes. Say it like you mean it. Yes! Don't just say, yeah, hey, whatever. Really say yes. There were certain times if I did not say yes with a certain distinction in my family, uh, the look would come from all the way across the room. Did she just say, yeah? Has she lost her mind? Does she think she's just talking to her friends? Sometimes we have to realize when we're talking to God and we're showing reverence to God that we need to say yes. Why is that important? Because many of us, as the passage in Isaiah has spoken, the boundaries need to be removed and we need to recognize what it means to say yes. Many of us struggle with what we need to know from God to live out this spiritual journey. And we struggle even more with what is the next action we need to take. We say, I know God, been knowing God for a while. I understand the Holy Spirit. Yes, I realize that Jesus Christ has offered us and everyone that will say yes unto him, eternal life. I understand all of that. But how does it work for me? This won't be one of those beginning series that everyone jumps up and down and says, I've been waiting for this one. Because sometimes there are seasons in our lives where just to get to know God, to gain the knowledge of God, we have to recognize 
that there's an experience that God is waiting to have with us. A little teaching experience. Isaiah is a prophet. And he's not just any prophet. In the book of Isaiah, if you go and you read the complete book of Isaiah, you will see more prophetic experiences than you can imagine. But it is often said that the book of Isaiah is a book that tells humanity about the whole experience. It is the prophecy that says things will come. And when the prophet speaks them, if you look in the beginning of 1st Isaiah and 2nd Isaiah, they're teaching experiences there that usually as a young Christian, we don't want to touch. And as an old Christian, we might have lived enough life, we say, can we, t- can we read somebody else but Isaiah? Because all Isaiah wants us to do is obey God. Any prophet in the Old Testament, the job was to get us to understand that God would move. So God, the Father who created, had a statement to everybody. I'm giving you opportunity to obey. But just like in the book of Isaiah, particularly this chapter, this is called the sending forth. This is also a statement that people understand that there's a call and response. When God calls, he expects us to respond. So when the call comes, the the person that is speaking in the book of Isaiah really wants to give a a couple excuses. Excuse me, I I really can't look at this vision yet that you have for my life because you have to understand, uh, it's really, you know, I'm not a really good person. I've said some things, I'm out of order, I like God, I understand them, but you surely can't be talking to me because I know I'm just not that good yet. So one of the things that happens in this particular personhood, which represents humanity, is the fact that we make excuses to God. Anybody in here ever make an excuse to God? I mean, it might not be right now, but along the way, you've made some excuses to God. And then it's not until life gets a little deep that you want to take those excuses back because you want God to do what? Love you, care for you, and take care of your situation. So a lot of times we make the excuse as long as we're on this side and everything's going pretty good. You know, God, I really can't hang with you right now. And uh, even though there's a vision that you've set forth for my life, can I just finish this section before we have to do anything else? So the reality of this teaching, preaching experience, when we say yes to God and God removes all the boundaries, at some point we have to become accountable. In the reading and understanding and looking at this passage, there's vision being presented. There's also the recognition that we have shortcomings. That's where you have the symbolic statement about the unclean lips. Literally, what happens when our lips are not clean? We tend to be telling stories. Amen? You know, just like we've made an excuse to God, we tend to tell a few stories. And um, sometimes we tell them with a lot of excitement because they're dramatic. And we figure if we can tell the story dramatically, nobody won't recognize that our lips are unclean. So we make the excuse and then we have an unclean lip and we just kind of say, hey, you know, surely, God, you don't want me. But what happened in the story? What is the key thing here? It's that an action from the seraphim. The seraphim are the angels that you see in this scripture. But 
we recognize and we're challenged to deal with not only our shortcomings, but the bigger than life vision that God has for our lives. Because even though we are born into sin and that we have shortcomings, Isaiah indicates that if our lips can be cleansed by the burning coal, touching our lips, transforming our lives, making us yet whole, something new can happen. If somebody walked up to you right now and said, excuse me, I got this little burning coal, and I just want to touch your lip on the side, you'd kind of say, excuse me, I'm in Texas, and we don't do people barbecue. Please don't touch my lips. So symbolically, the teaching is to help us recognize that the move of the Holy Spirit through the seraphim is there to literally change what we say so that our actions in life can eventually be changed. Sometimes until our mind is changed and our mouth is changed, nothing else in our life will follow along. Recognize the mind and the mouth do some of the most difficult, challenging, but blessing also. Because the scripture also says the same weapon, which is the tongue of humanity, that will bless somebody can curse somebody. The same fact that we can look at somebody with joy and excitement and want to bless them, we can stare them down with our Christian bumper sticker selves. I'm not talking negative about who we are, but the reality of this scripture is a teaching time to help us take a mirror and look at ourselves. Do our lips need to be cleaned off? Is there a call that needs to touch us so that we can be changed? Because when we say yes to God, we need to be prepared to live out that yes. Also, to think about what else is going on, we want to be able to say, I know what's going on. If we look at the John passage, the beginning of the John passage is the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a soldier very high up in priest business nature of that country at that time. Nicodemus didn't want everybody to know he was inquiring about God. So instead of meeting God, Jesus Christ rather, in the daylight hour, he simply met him at night. Sometimes we wonder why people are willing to meet us at night. What happens at night? It's dark. Some people won't see you because where they want to be met is on a street that doesn't have any lights. There are times when people want to meet us in the midnight hour. Because number one, they're afraid of what is going on. They want to step in between the lines. They want to ask questions. They want to know like Nicodemus wanted to know. What does it take to be born again? I need to know this. I need to understand this. I need to be aware. What does it take to be born again? We need to confess our sins. We need to recognize that God will call us to encounter new experiences that may be uncomfortable. And even in the midst of our shortcoming and our challenges, just like Nicodemus sought Jesus at night, we are acquiring and expecting God to give us some new knowledge. When you want to know something, you don't just want to know it in your mind. You want to feel it in your heart. You want something to occur. It's I need to know, but I also want to know where do I go from here? 
the bottom line is when we say yes, we're not just speaking that yes. We need to begin to live that yes. I want you to think about this. What has God said to you that you have said yes to and you're still sitting down? What if you were required every time you said a yes? Could you please stand up? Yes. Could you please stand up? Yes. What would happen if every time God spoke to you and you said yes, you had to stand up? Yes, please stand up. Every time he spoke to you and said, I have something involved in your life and I'm sending you to places and I'm prophesying over your life. And when I send you, I need you to say yes. I need you to stand up and go. Would you sit back down and say, I don't think I want to say yes? What would you do with the yeses in your life when he said to you, stand and say yes? Would you say, excuse me, I have unclean lips. I'm a little afraid. I don't want to go right now. So the reality is when we say yes, there's an action required. Thank you very much. When we say yes, we don't just say yes and stay still. We actually say yes and we need to do something. Some of that is to pray and prepare. Some of that yes is to begin to understand that God is trying to equip you and literally renew and forgive your life. Some of the yeses are literally about talking to God and saying, I want to be made new. And then being willing to say, I'm going to do everything that it takes. Other times, the yes is simply getting in relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to pitch a tent right there on that yes. Many of us have said yes to God but we still want to live the life we've always lived. We want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, and who we want to do it with. We want to change, but we're still not sure we want to walk into our new life. Because sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we have a picture of our Christian journey, and it's not exactly flowing the way we hoped it would flow. So therefore, when we say yes, we have a lot of conditions with God. Yes, if you would just do this. Yes, if you would restore my finances. Yes, if you would fix my children. Yes, if you would make me look like I used to look when I was 17 and a half years old. Yes, if you would just give me this. this. Yes, if these things would go on. But the point of this scripture is when we need to know, and God says yes, it's time for us to humble ourselves and listen. And when we listen, we're listening for God. When we're listening, we're hoping that God gives us a word that not only allows us to say yes, but we can live into our transformation. Our new life comes with what it means to be cleansed, changed, and convicted. And then we step out of the darkness into the light. Some of you may be surprised today. All the lights are on. This wasn't planned, but guess what? It kind of fit in where God was saying, go, there will be no darkness today. I can't promise what tomorrow will look like, but there will be light on everybody's life. You can look at each other and say, oh, I didn't know that's what you really look like up here in service. Oh, my goodness gracious, you sit on that row. Oh, I didn't know you had five children with you. Oh, have mercy, my goodness gracious. We can look at each other and say, yes. We can see some of the sadness. We can see some of the joy, but more than more, more than anything, we can look at each other in the light and say, hey, here's somebody else on the road 
that's saying yes to. Because at the end of the day, when we embrace all the yes moments and we learn how to serve God with love, grace, and mercy, the road that we walk will be changed. We can't change it. We can't do anything about it. But we can say the yes. Dorothy, will you stand and say yes? Dorothy asked me a while back about a mission trip. And I don't know who she asked before, but when she asked me, God said, give her this information. And I can't say I bugged her or I was even persistent, but maybe I pushed a little bit. Have you called the people? I heard you got an email. What did the people say? I wasn't being peculiar with Dorothy, but the fact that she needed to say yes and God had said, tell her what I told you and then asked about it. But then more than anything, pray and encourage somebody. So when you see that somebody has said yes to God, every now and then you got to check up on them in love. Because when they say yes, there's a point where they're ready to step back and say no. They said yes, but they want to back it up a little bit. They said yes, but they really want to go to the other side and see how things are going to go. Thank you for standing. The Barrios family is over here. They said yes to God a while back. And God said, I need you to go to school, and I'm going to change your address. I'm going to change your location, but I'm not going to change what I've told you to do. I still need you to go to school in spite of your location. So there's days when people are doing and living, and you don't know all the yeses that are going on in their lives. Rick has said yes to a place that's not here. Him and his wife haven't been married yet a year. But he's going to be away, and she's going to be here. But yet still there are yeses that call for responsibility. When you say yes, you can't always go exactly the way you want to go. I want you to be an entrepreneur. And you say, not right now. They say, yeah, right now. That's a yes, and you have to follow it through. I want you to step forth in the glory of God. I want you to press forth and be all the mom I've called you to be. And you say, well, my kids aren't listening, but I'm still saying, say yes. There are lots of yeses in our lives. From city to city. From church to church, from the top of the mountains to the heart of Isaiah, will you confess this day unto God and say yes? I want to leave you with this statement because we will continue to study through the next group of weeks. And there'll be a part two and a part three to a need to know. So today, the need to know was simply, will you know how to say yes? But I want you to think of this. This is considered a meditation. It was written by a young lady out of the German Board of Discipleship. And she wrote this meditation, hoping that churches would encourage their people to deal with the everyday yeses. And it simply goes like this. It seemed to be a normal day, and I needed to say yes. I pushed myself out of bed, arguing with my my inner voice, saying, stay home. And I simply had to say yes. When I got to church, some of the people I thought would be there, they obviously didn't say yes. I gave a little something to God. Maybe I should have given more. 
but I still said yes. I drove back home from the church after thinking about what the praise team had sang and how many people had prayed that day, for it just seemed like a regular every day. Yes. But then something happened to me. The Holy Spirit, the Lord thy God, showed up and whispered in my ear, I saw you in church today. And I saw a tear in your eye. God touched me. Cleansed my lips. Called my name again. It was simply a normal day for God. And he said yes. And so did I. Whatever is going on in your life. I invite you to say yes to God. The doors of the church are open. If you don't have a church home to begin your journey of saying yes to God. And you need to know about your faith and what it means to be related to a triune God. For God the Father creates. God the Son saves us. And God, the Holy Spirit, sustains us. There's not a part of our life that we can live fully without God. I know you may have been saying yes all the way up to this point. And even some of you have said maybe. But today is the beginning of a new life. And a new season. Will you say yes? Over and over again let us pray gracious and loving God I ask that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and our souls the things that you have called us to do and I thank you for igniting the dreams in our lives send forth the yeses for new beginnings send forth the yeses for new jobs send forth the yeses for new places and spaces that we would travel and represent what it means to know a true and living God. When we leave this place, whoever we encounter, help us to show them a yes. For you are awesome. You are mighty and you are glorious. In Jesus' name, send the yeses. And when we get there, we'll give you all the honor and the glory. Amen.